listener production. This is Come Out Wherever You Are, a podcast about coming out told by the people who have done it. I'm your host, Sean Zepps, and because this is a podcast about coming out, it's only fair that I go first. My name is Sean Zepps. I am a gay man who uses he, him pronouns. I first came out in early 2000 in a closet, which is such a good story. And I most recently came out on the way here. True story. He asked where I was going. I told him to record a podcast. He asked what podcast. I told him to come out wherever you are, dot, dot, dot. And then I told him that I was gay. And it was really a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. We are welcoming a brand new member to the Come Out Wherever You Are family, Milo. Would you introduce yourself to the community? Tell us when you first came out and if you can remember when you last came out. I'm Milo Hartill. My pronouns are she, her. The first time I came out was in 2017 at a movie night that I had with my three best friends at the time. Great. And the last time I came out was also on the way here in the Uber. Yeah. Always in Uber. Yeah. They really want to put us in boxes or get to know us. It was sweet. It was sweet. He was like, oh, why? It was the same thing. He was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to go to a podcast. What's a funny name for a podcast? I went, oh, well, it's because it's about coming out. And then he went, oh, are you coming out on it? And I went, well, not, well, yes, but no, but it's because I, and anyway, and then I told my first coming out story to him and I assume I'm about to say it again. Amazing. I'm going to say it again. Milo Hartle is an actor, model, and performer. You might have seen her in the play Fangirls at the Sydney Opera House of all places, walking the runway at Australian Fashion Week, or on stage with friend of the podcast, Abby Chatfield, in her live show. Milo is a proud Black Lives Matter advocate, a self-proclaimed fat diva, and speaks openly about what it means to be Black, fat, and queer in Australia. Here's Milo. So, you've listened to the show. I sure have. I know you have. One of the things I really like to do, and this is just me nerding out, is Mm -hmm. I really like to understand who you were prior to the coming out. There are nuances, culture, heritage, location, Mm -hmm. society, Mm -hmm. that shapes who you might have been and what would have stopped you from or encouraged you to speak your truth. So we're going to take a trip down memory lane. It's just selfishly, you know, I really want to get to know We're going on a plane to Perth, we're to Perth. Is that where we are? (laughs) What year is it? Um, I mean, I was born there in 2000. There we go. Yeah, 2000 on the 19th of June, Gemini. Watch out. Um, The year I came out. Really? Yes. For real? For real. 2000? Yes. Whoa! Oh, crazy. So you grew up in Perth the whole time? Yeah, yeah, until I moved to Melbourne when I was 18. So I was so, in Perth for my whole life. Amazing. You're going to need to do a little education for me then because I've never been. Would you consider it in the 2000s an accepting place where there's like diverse people? And I don't just mean diversity as far as queer is concerned, but also people of color. I think that Perth, Perth compared to Sydney and Melbourne, when you're walking on the street, looks way more diverse. Mm. Like I remember coming to... Melbourne for the first time and thinking it was going to be this like bubbling, melting pot and everywhere I looked, there were going to be people that looked like me. Yeah. <laughs> and coming over and I was like, why are there no First Nations people and why are there no black people anywhere? Yes. And everyone that has been, been like, my question. Everyone was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like in Perth, everyone just, it was like, what? There's mm. just no one. And I think that because 
There's a lot more affordable housing in Western Australia. There is more of a melting pot of cultures of people that maybe didn't come from affluent yep. upbringings. Mm, good point. Um, Where's your family from included. before birth? Like the heritage of your, both your mom and dad? My dad is from Botswana and then mm. my mum was born here, but my grandparents are from Northern England. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I would say the average person understands the heritage of queer people through the lens largely of England, which is more accepting, I guess, than a lot of other places. Uh, people were rushing to London. The, the country has a twisted but uh, more prominent relationship to queer people at large, wonderful walks and huge protests and politicians that did great work throughout human history, specifically during the HIV and AIDS epidemic, great mm-hmm. research being done. But I don't understand a single thing about Botswana. Well, what is their we, relationship with to queer people? Do you know? I have no idea. I would assume not super positive because mm. of how my dad, not that I'd speak to my dad very much, but the fleeting conversations I've had with my dad whenever my sexuality comes up have been very, but you end up with a man anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I don't think super, super woke, but my dad is also a goat farmer in Botswana, so I don't know what. If, is that more of a sign of the job and the yeah. community is versus more, the actual culture? No, I've always said that the goat farming community isn't <laughs> the most accepting place. I've said the same thing. Yeah, I know. My whole life. Widespread, honestly. widespread. Yeah, you look at a goat farm and you think homophobe. Well, no, it's actually the goats that are quite homophobic. It's really hard. You mm. know, I, whenever I go to a petting zoo, I have to walk away from yep. the goats because you just never know what they're going to say. We're actually having a goat on the episode next week, so. Oh, my God. Good segue. Careful, Great F time. slur. It's going to be a huge F slur week. <laughs> so because we don't know a ton Ooh. about that culture's relationship, I guess we'll unpack then your parents. Mm-hmm. Long before you knew mm-hmm. uh, what your sexuality was, did you have an idea of how your parents respected or didn't respect people who were different? Well, my mom, I never really knew with my dad. and My dad st- isn't the most woke person as it I've discussed on some other yes. podcasts here and there. Mm. Um, but my mum has always been accepting and like, you know, I mean, my early conversations interrogating my relationship with race and being a person of colour in a white family, you know, was a lot of that was started by my mum and, you know, little like, maybe you should think about this. And like the way I used to love watching, like, I mean, I feel like most people's introduction to the queer world in 2015 onwards is like drag race and watching things like that on TV. And my mum was always like, oh, I mean, I saw this show I think you might like and Mm. it was drag race. And I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And then I would secretly watch it all night long. (laughs) She'd be like, did you like it? I'd be like, "Mm, I don't know, mum. It's just, I don't know, whatever. Okay. I don't like it that much. And (laughs) also get me on the damn show. (laughs) Literally, literally. Um, And like my auntie is gay, so it was never... I was really lucky that queer identity was never taboo for me. It was just something that I, like, loved but was like, but, you know, that that's not me. Mm, mm. But I love it. Like, I love drag race and I love drag and, like, I have so many gay friends. But, like, not one of them, though. <laughs> I don't know that like, we've ever had anyone on the show who had a family member who was gay or queer growing up. When did you become aware of that? Did your mom tell you early on? Quite young. Oh, well, cool. it was, like, at Christmas. It would mm. be like, oh, yeah. Auntie's going to bring her girlfriend with her. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't know that you could do that. Mm. And mum was like, yeah, anyone can date anyone if they want to. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. And then she had my 
Uncle Neil. My Uncle Neil is not like actual uncle, but like family. My mom's best friend, mm. Uncle Neil, he was gay. And I loved Uncle Neil because he has this, I believe, the second largest Barbie collection in the world. Stop your nonsense. So we would always go to Uncle Neil's house and I'd be there like, I love This Barbie. is paradise. Literally. And he would, whenever, like, there would be like, because he's like a fine Barbie collector. So if there was like a, a, a thread loose on a Barbie jacket, he'd be like, I've got something for you if you go in the front room. And then it'd be like this 60s Barbie jacket I got to take home. And he'd style their hair as well because he's a hairdresser. Anyway. Gay people everywhere are listening to this like, oh my God. Right? Heaven. I took it so for granted as well. Like mm. as a kid, I was like, oh, we're going to Uncle Neil's house. I'm so excited to see what he's done with my Barbie's hair. <laughs> well, what I love about this is we do not get an opportunity a lot to, one, speak to young people who would have had positive influences at a time in history, you know, late early 2000s where we're on TV, we're in the media, not always positively, but we're there. Mm -hmm. There are movies and we are characters. Sure, sometimes we're the best friend and the butt of the joke, but we're there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think by the time I came out, the world had shifted. And so by the time you're starting to think about your sexuality, it had really shifted Mm -hmm. enough that we knew we weren't going to live a life that was terrible and you had family members who were proof of it. Mm-hmm. So when you start to feel a little bit different than maybe everybody else, mm-hmm. I wonder, was there a lot less fear than maybe you ever heard or did it still exist the same way? I had no fear. Like I feel like in my world of places that I feel fear and places that I feel judged, being queer was like the opposite of that. Like Mm. it coming out was like a moment of freedom for me. And I know that it's a moment of freedom for everyone. I mean, maybe not a freedom, moment of freedom, but like as in, you know, getting to release that like you know this thing about yourself is cool for I feel like most queer people when they come out. But it was like, I don't know, like I'd always grown up fat and I knew I was fat and I was ashamed of being fat for a long time. And I grew up being a person of color and I did everything I could to try and squash that and not show anyone that. Mm. Whereas when I came out, I was the most beautifully insufferable little bisexual who just was like, yeah, I'm going to wear rainbow pants every day and I'm going to find a way to bring this up in a conversation because I'm so excited that this thing that I've admired for so long and genuinely, like I'd always admired the queer community and gay people and lesbian people and people who are queer in any way and trans people. But I just was like, oh, it's a shame that I'm straight because I'll never actually be a part of that Mm. until (laughs) one day I went, the day I came out, I was like, oh, no, yeah, no, actually that does make a lot of sense. Mm. It's so funny. I, You know what? And it's actually a common story. This idea of like observing people. I felt that same way. We're performers. I performed my whole life. You performed your whole life. When you're a member of the theater community and you look up at like the flamboyant, confident lesbians or gay men and you're just like, well, I just admire them. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm really inspired by their authenticity. And then you realize you're gay and you're like, oh. I want to be them. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it. I will I be them. them. I am them. There you go. <laughs> wow. But I also went to, uh, my primary school was a pretty scary place. Um, but my high school was 
like the art school of Western Australia. Mm. So it was, everybody was, everyone was something. Yeah, special. And I, Different. it was never something I was af- afraid of. Like the when I came out, I realised in the moment I was coming out that I was bi. Oh, like wow. Like it was literally... Like, I, w- while you spoke it was your truth when you realized it. Yeah. That's rare and beautiful. It was literally like, and as well, everyone else was like, oh, we just thought you were. And I was like, well, clearly, I, well, I am, but I just never, mm. until I'm talking this through, I just didn't know. Do you like when people say that? I already knew. Yes and no. Yes and no. Sometimes I'm like, I'm glad that I portrayed myself Mm. accurately and then I felt like I was always myself and I'm always like okay know it all yeah (laughs) well the reason I asked you specifically is you spoke it while you learned it and so this idea that other people knew you're like well I didn't it's one thing if you're me and you're in the closet for years and years and years and years and years and they say we knew because it's like well I I knew while you knew and I was struggling but if you know and you're discovering it and then someone's like I always knew I'm like, no, you didn't. Did you know I ate out girls? No, you did not know that. Have you watched it? No, you have not. Because I haven't done it. Because I haven't. So you don't <laughs> know anything. What you mean is I made an assumption based off of gender and sexual stereotypes. Literally, literally. And I mean, I <laughs> just like, I was such like a... Meek, tiny little buttercup? What's the word I'm looking for? Not meek, but like, compared to how I am... Now, I was so like, I like I had braces and I was the fat one in the group and I was the black one in the group and I just was kind of like, oh, like thinking about my sexuality doesn't matter because that's never going to happen for me. Wow. Like, I was like, it doesn't matter who I'm attracted to because no one's going to be attracted to me. So it's not going to actually matter anyway. Wow. Whoa. I haven't realized that until I just said that out loud either. I mean, that's a lot. And now we're just going to go deep into the conversation and say an elephant in a room, which is... Did you just call me fat? (laughs) You better drag me. You better drag me. (laughs) Maybe the wrong saying Uh, for the right time. I just thought it was really funny. It was good. (laughs) But I I don't need to pretend that I don't know this. And I also don't need to pretend that it's like a nasty question because it's just the reality of your lived experience. And I'm a member of the gay community, so I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But this community historically is fat phobic and racist. But so is, but so is like the world, every community. Okay, that's, that's a great response because I was wondering if as you're discovering your sexuality, you're not able to see yourself in the community because you're already, our community is already a pocket of people who are disadvantaged, ostracized, stigmatized, mm-hmm. And then within that community, I don't think the average straight person understands that even within this already marginalized community, there are even smaller pockets of people of color. Yeah. And even smaller and smaller uh, pockets of people who don't look like the model they use on the poster for Pride or whatever. Weren't you the model? Weren't you the? I was. This you were the year. pride one. I am so the like, world pride one. There we go. Pride but I've always, I think, uh, uh, the meaty part of this conversation because a lot of people hear about coming out and it's harder and easier for certain types of people is this realization that, like, well, I am different. You embrace that sexuality part of you, but then within that coming out and then finding yourself, I imagine it is more difficult when there are additional layers. On it was top. very like mixed bag. I think like. 
before I came out, I always knew there was a place for me, maybe not in the queer community, but I always knew there was a place for me in the gay community mm. because there's such a stereotype of every white cis gay man mm. has their fat, black, funny best friend. Mm. And that was always my role. And, you know, sometimes I think it is still my role. I just am like the funny, fat, but like hot, sexy, black yes. best friend. You know, mm. the amount of times I would go out into gay bars in Perth and everyone would be like, you actually don't know this about me, but there is a black woman living inside me. And I'd be like, is there really? <laughs> Thanks. That's so awesome. Stop it. <laughs> I'm like, how'd she fit in there? Did you smack her? <laughs> I would just be like. Do you mean that you? we've just been uh, stealing everything that black people have done for the last four decades and calling it what? our own? Is that what you mean, Bryce? What? I don't know. <laughs> but then once I came out, it was like. Being a part of the queer community has been such a big part of me being like, hang on, I'm really hot. Mm. Like, I may be fat, but that's not a bad thing. And I'm hot. Yes. And, like, my school comprised of my high school was everyone was queer. And then this there was a soccer, was it John Curtin College of the Arts? And then there was a soccer program at our school, which slay sports. You better. But it was just like, then these hyper mask, like teenage boys who were like, we only get with the hot girls. And I was not one of the hot girls and I wasn't out. And that, like, it just meant that, like, in my head, I associated straightness, especially straight men, with just this toxically masculine, like, not taking in or engaging with beauty that is not, you know, a size six, skinny, blonde, blue-eyed girl. Which is true. Yeah. I mean, she's true, like, Broadly. not only true of our, of our, of my school, like, it's just, you yes. know, especially in up until about 20, probably up until 2020, that mm. was just the accepted who is a part of the beauty mold and then who who is not a part of the beauty mold. Yeah. And so... In high school, I was like, well, it doesn't really matter what my sexuality is anyway because, like, what does that mean Am I going to be able to connect with anyone anyways, even if I am queer? Yeah. Have you found in your experience men or women more accepting of diversity in the dating world? Oh, yeah, especially in the last few years. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge dater anyway. Like... Just looking at that career grind in it. There you go. But it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I think especially in, in the queer community, I feel so beautiful. Mm. I don't know, I even know how to explain it, but I just feel like especially like now being an adult person, like, you know, there's just they but the more you grow up, the more judged you feel, but also the less judged you feel. It's like mm. everyone's kind of like, everyone's focused on themselves anyway. So yeah. Well, before we turned the microphone on, we were talking about the fact that like straight people's understanding of queer people and then I guess queer people's understanding of straight people is usually inconsistent. And oftentimes within the queer community, because on average, every single person struggled either in the in themselves for a long time? Like, who am I and where do I fit in? Why am I different than everybody else? There's that. 
But then there's also the struggle of just your lived experience, like walking in a pride parade or kissing a girl in front of somebody and the judgment that comes from that. That usually by the time you've made it to the community, to the clubs, to the groups, to the online forums, you're, you've dealt with and are willing to accept other people who are different more, mm-hmm. which is why... Black Lives Matter movement is also a movement queer people need to support because it's like anyone who is different and has been marginalized should have a deep understanding of that experience and want to support others like that. Mm -hmm. And I've often wondered if, because it's true, for gay men, body diversity is like massively accepted and lusted for and uh people feel confident and comfortable being like, I'm big and I only like big people. I'm small and I want a real man who is big and beautiful. And and I've noticed in straight communities that that conversation around accepting different types of people who look different or different body types, and I don't know if this comes from their society or their family, it's almost like it's a secret. Oh, it's so a secret. And like so many straight boys like are like, just say the most heinous things if you're dating them or like about to say, oh, I remember this one person that I was seeing for a bit and like he kissed me and then he goes, wow, I never thought that I or, and I had kissed someone else that that we were all friends with and they were like, wow, I never thought that me or blah, blah, blah had jungle fever, but here we are. And I was like, stop it. I was like, this did not just happen to me. I was like, was this just said to me? I called my best friend and I was like, you're never going to guess what da, da, da just said about da, 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 and da, da, da. And he was like, so what did you do? And I was like, well, I just kind of panicked and we still kissed and it was, um, you know, other things. And what a, I was like, what a mess. Yeah. Ugh. And unfortunately, such a big part of the lived experience of being a human like this. Oh, yeah. That you are deal with it. It was like when we were talking about in the Uber, like I deal with the introduction so frequently of having to come out all the time that when it happens, I'm not like, <gasps> I can't believe that just happened to me. I'm like, yeah. Another day. Yeah. Another not so slay, but like another day. And then you just like move on, which is terrible. You're like suppressing the reality of what you should have done, which is smack them across the fucking face. Well, you bringing bringing that up, like how many times do you come out? I'm like, God, probably every single day, Mm. but I just don't even think about it. Well, that was kind of the reason for the show originally was this idea that I don't know that even gay people realize how frequently we have to address our sexuality in comparison to our straight counterparts who never have to. And it happens because we're put in a box. Well, as well, because heterosexuality is assumed. And then if you are not that, you're Mm. other. Mm. It's like whiteness is assumed until you're not that. And then it's other. And thinness is assumed. And then then able-bodiedness is assumed. And then, you know. And I've wondered, one of the things I wanted to chat to you about was the difference between being you here versus if you lived in the UK or if you lived in America and how your experience of dating would be different. Um, And my experience having lived in America in New York City and Los Angeles and then coming here was experiencing a lot more accidental homophobia, mm-hmm. not purposeful. In the States, and if you're like in the South or whatever, it's aggressive to your face and they know exactly what they're saying. But in New York and Los Angeles, everyone says partner. Everyone assumes you might be bi. It's just like this assumption. Mm-hmm. So my bosses and my interviews were always partner, mm-hmm. never wife. And then I moved here and it was this constant stream of wife. Where's your wife? Where's the kid's mom? girlfriend, you have a ring, where's your what? And I was shocked. I was like, is Australia, do they not have enough representation? Australia, I feel like, is the, the queen of, of subtle problematicness. Mm. Like, and because everyone does it with a smile and it's, you know, 
throw a shrimp on the barbie and, you know, oh, I had no idea you were an N-word. And then you go, oh, God, wait, did that just happen to me? Oh, you, you had no idea, jungle fever. Oh, where's my wife? And, oh, God, I can't believe you're out here being brave in that swimsuit. It's like, oh, hang on, what just Yeah. <laughs> and then by the time it's over, you just kind of go home and you go, wait, that all, no, that all just happened to me. And should yeah. I have said something? And I didn't, but like, why do I have to be an advocate? But I've always just wondered like why it happened in other places faster. Because the thing is, in America, if someone says your wife and then I say I have a husband, they'll be like, fag. <laughs> Whereas here, if they're like wife and then I say husband, they go, oh God, sorry, shit. Mm. I've never met anyone like you. You're the first person I've... No, I don't know why they had that accent. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the first person I've met. <laughs> I've never met someone with a husband before. But I've also wondered, in America, obviously, a, a larger population of people of color who look like you. And so this idea of straight men needing to, quote, keep it a secret or jungle fever is obviously less predominant because there's just more access people. to a ton more people. Yep. And because of that, you grow up around a lot more beautiful examples of different types of people. Mm -hmm. And so your sexuality is formed by that. In this country, for example, your sexuality can be informed by the beautiful continent of Asia because of immigration directly funneling here mm -hmm. in a way that's not the same in America. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was like, if you transported you to America, your experience of like someone saying the jungle fever comment will happen, but might be different than it is here. And I've wondered even in yeah. the queer community, if you're more of, quote, an anomaly in the sea of, of beautiful well, for, women. I was saying this th literally the other night. We were talking about, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but at the show we were talking about something and I was talking about how I feel like for a lot of people, if I'm about to sleep with someone, I'm like this special, like, like I, <laughs> the first time I went to a festival, um, little 18-year-old me, I just shaved my head Um and so, and like, I was really like, it was like my first time that I was like, oh my God, I am like really living in a happy way. Like my queer stereotype, yes. like I'm this bisexual with short hair and I'm wearing a hyper femme outfit, but I've got like all my makeup on and my hair's short. Like, oh, I invented being androgynous. Yes. I like, yes. I invented the queer identity and me and my friends were like at the time having a laugh, but seeing how many people we got propositioned by at the festival to sleep with them. And at the end of the day, I was like, all right, what's everyone's tally? And everyone's tally was like three or four. And I was like, oh, like, are you all taking the piss? And they were like, no, why? And I was like, mine's 28. And everyone was like, what do you mean yours is 28? And I was like, I was propositioned by 28 people. Of those 28 people, 10 of them, so 10, 10 couples, 10 couples, so that's 20 of the people, and then six just random people. Mm. But I was like, I was asked to be in a threesome by 10 different couples today. And everyone was like, and, you know, like my friends, uh, you know, like this group of friends I was with are all like social ideal attractive, like mm, white, mm, thin, mm, blonde, mm. big boobs, and the girls, long blonde hair. The boys are like really masked and straight looking and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, well, we were all like, why is that? And then we were talking about the things that they said and the things that were being said to me are, you know, you look like a real unicorn. You look really like you would be into the both of us. And they were all straight couples, the, well, yeah. straightish couples, yeah. who, hetero-presenting couples who had approached me. And I was like, and I was like, oh God, like I wanted to be, they wanted me to be their fun festival day story. Mm. Like this mixed race black girl who 
is like bisexual and it's going to be into both of us and we know that she is because she has short hair. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like that is the role a lot of people try to put me in in yeah. a lot of experiences is being their first or being their special mm. or being their crazy story that they can tell in 10 years when they slept with this girl who's got short blonde hair. At this point in your life, are you leaning into that or away from it? Is away. that exciting? Okay. No, no. I no. I mean, I was freshly 18, just mm. moved to a new city. Mm. Baby, baby vibes. And like I had, I was too scared to kiss anyone all in high school because I had braces. And I was like, I don't want to be like in the movies where the braces get caught. And then oh, it does. you have that. In, I, know, I, didn't, I didn't want to find out. I didn't want to find I out. I did, mate. Well, you, you're braver than I am, babes. I could, I could never be doing that. No, I was like, fucking hell, I don't want to be trapped. Imagine the fat black girl gets trapped by her braces. That is just not... <laughs> Headline written in the school newspaper. Babes, that is not the fucking story that I needed. I was already the fat black girl. I didn't want to be a fat black girl whose first kiss resulted in her having to go to the ER. Yeah, no. No, it was dangerous. Well, the reason I ask is it's like, <laughs> one, great accent. Two, you make a living as... The fabulous one. Like that in this country, that is like what you're known as in our community is like, is this special unicorn who is representative of so much. It's not just one thing. It's like a lot of things. And that's what I do for a living. I'm the gay dad. That's my thing. And Mm -hmm. like, you can lean far away from that, especially if you're 18 and you're trying to find yourself. And then at some point, sometimes you lean in and then sometimes it hurts to lean in. You're like, I'm just leaning into, they only want to pay me because I'm X. I'm only Mm -hmm. getting paid because I'm the gay dad. If I was a straight dad, would I get the money? Mm -hmm. And so you live in this constant state of like, I'm asking, like, am I getting the job because I'm black and fat and queer and fucking beautiful? And is that problematic or is that okay? Because it's like problematic because I'm, am I a token? And then it's great because I'm, wow, the awareness on the billboard, in the ad, on the TV commercial for Google or, Mm -hmm. it was Google, wasn't it? It was. So it's like, Where do you sit with all that? That's complicated to deal with. So complicated. And as well, I think in a way I was lucky that until 2020, I didn't really fully, I don't know if part of it was like purposeful ignorance. Like I was like, I don't really want to understand what Mm. this means. I just want to ride the waves and have fun. Um, But I mean, I like in terms of work, completely leaned into it. Like I leaned all the way into it because I was like, yeah, I I want to be the representation I never had. But when it came to personal relationships and sex and dating and I just was like, I'm just a person. Like, I'm just a person. Like, my mate is just a person. Like, and like I had this one friend and, you know, she is like the epitome of the social ideal. And people would always try to hook up with both of us. And I was like, and it was always like, I know that they want to hook up with her because she's really hot. And I know that they want to hook up with me because it's, I mean, maybe these people did want to hook up with me because I was hot. But I was like, I know that it's like, She's the hot one and mm. I'm the strange gay one mm. that gets to be an experience for them. Whereas her, it'll be just, oh, yeah, I hooked up with this hot chick. Whereas me, it's like, yeah, I hooked up with this bisexual, black, blonde-haired, blonde-eyebrowed at the time girl who was, like, really cool and weird. And in terms of, like, my personal life and trying to find where I sat with love and relationships, I was mm. like, I don't want that to be my narrative right now. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And, like, the average person will never fully understand. Uh, we talk about this on the show, like having to come out multiple times for the different aspects of your life. And there are a lot of things you don't get the chance to come out to. Like you don't get to, you don't have to come out as a person of color. You don't have to come out based off your body. 
And sometimes people make assumptions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't actually have to come out as gay that much because uh, people just assume that I'm gay based off of my really cute clothes. Well, I always feel like I have to come out as bisexual because everybody assumes I'm a lesbian. Ooh, we got to unpack that then. Just, and like, I always am like, I'm bi. People are like, oh, I just assumed you're a lesbian. I'm like, eh. why? That's what I want to say to them. <laughs> so, and you know what? It's hysterical. So many times it's the short hair. And I go, oh, it's 1963. <laughs> go, Isn't it amazing it? that... It's the mid-1600s and I'm not working in slave labour. It's amazing. (laughs) This is the real work story no one ever talks Mm, about. Let's unpack. (laughs) Well, there are a lot of negative stereotypes thrust upon bisexuals and pansexuals. I would argue, I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, that like oftentimes bisexuals in our community get the shit under the stick for a bunch of reasons. One, bisexuality used as a gateway drug to Gayville. I did it and I regret it because it had a really negative impact on the actual bisexual kids in my school. Mm-hmm. Because people were like, okay, we'll talk to you in a couple of years when they came out, which is terrible. When you came out as bisexual and have multiple times, is that an experience you had? Do people expect it to be, she's really a lesbian? Or has it been more positive because you've come out in the 2000s and that's more accepted that bisexuality is clearly a, a legitimate label? I think a bit of both. Like a bit of both. Like I mean... When I first came out, everyone was like, oh, is it just because you've only hooked up with men and that's all you know? And like the minute you kiss a girl, you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm gay. And then when I did kiss a girl, people were like, okay, so now that you've kissed a girl, are you gay? And mm. I was like, no, I don't think so. Like my first coming out story I, is pretty funny. It's a pretty hysterical story. <laughs> so I was watching my favorite movie. I've told this story so many times. But I think it's really funny. And it is really funny. So I'm um, at this, um, we and my best friends, every Friday night after school, we would go to our friend Abby's house. Shout out to Abby. Um, which didn't make any sense because she lived the furthest away from school, but we, we just always went to her house. Anyway, we, <laughs> we went to her house and we all were like this one night, we're like, let's watch our favourite movies. And I went first and I was like, I want us to watch Catwoman starring Halle Berry, the 2000, I think 2003 hit um, which I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have I seen it, please? Well, some people haven't seen it. I was talking about it yesterday and everyone was like, never seen it. Why would I see it? I was like, I don't know. Because she's the hottest thing in the entire world. Yeah, everyone's she does, like, like really it, cool backflips and shit. Well, and I was always like, no, it's a good movie. Like, it's a good movie. And everyone was like, it has 7% on Rotten Tomatoes, Milo. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like Well, I winning. needed an excuse to watch it every yes, week. Yes, Which I you did. did. Well, until like the age of... I used to watch it every single day. Like I watched it once a day, every day when I was like three, three to four. Like when it first came out, I was like, again, one more time. It's this movie. Again. Fault. And mom's like, again? I'd be like, again. And she'd be like, do you want to be Catwoman? I was like, I don't know. I just want to watch it. <laughs> Who knows? We'll unpack that later. Okay, I Talk don't to know. you in a decade. I just want to watch it. Anyway, we're watching it. And all my friends are like, this is so shit. We do not want to watch another second of this movie. It's so bad and so boring. And like, and I was like, it's a good movie. And I was like, and I don't know. I just like, I don't know. I just love watching Halle Berry in it. And everyone was like, well, yeah, because she looks hot. And I went, no, maybe I just watch it because I like watching Halle Berry. And everyone was like, what? And I went, oh, my God. I think I'm into boys and girls. <laughs> and oh, everyone was like, what? And I was like, I thought I watched it for the hot cop, but I think I watch it for Halle Berry and the hot cop. <laughs> and we kind of, that was it. We watched the rest of the movie. They didn't address it further? No, because because they all were like, yeah, we know. 
I mean, anyway, that's beautiful. And I'm sitting there for the whole rest of the movie like... Cannot focus. This is huge. My whole life has changed. What? What? And the movie finishes and I was like, guys, I think I might be a guy or pan or I don't know. And my wonderful best friend, he was like, yeah, did you not know? And I went, I don't think so. And then my friend Abby, who's house, I was like, did you just come out to us? Oh. And I was like, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. And then they were, and then like my other friend was like, oh, we didn't even, I didn't, he was like, sorry, I thought that you, I didn't think you needed, I thought, I thought you were, I didn't realise that you needed to come out. Like I thought that we all just knew that. And I was like, no, I, no. Wow. Then we all went and sat in Abby's spa and then our third friend who I'm not really friends with anymore, she goes, so does that mean that you like want to fuck me or something? That's exactly what it means. <laughs> I literally was like, no, dolls, I couldn't be any less to you. <laughs> that oh. is actually a very modern coming out story. So modern. Because and it's like, sign of the times, more accepting. I love that he was like, I didn't think you were going to need to. We've had that conversation on the show, people who don't want to live in a society where you have to. And I'm always like, that can't exist. It's not possible. But that is like an almost example of how it could have been where you had a friend, one in particular, maybe the other one. Well, I think they all just thought, thought just were like, just as well because I was so like, I mean, stereotype, but like that drag race loving, Gaga listening to, knows the Corey of all the Beyonce shows, mm. gal mm. at school. So it was just like, and I do think in queer theater environments, people are much more comfortable addressing when other people are attractive. So like if you're a girl and you're like, God, she's beautiful. Yeah. That, that's much more socially acceptable than mm-hmm. say in a traditional sports or religious environment where if mm-hmm. you said that, that would be wildly problematic and mm-hmm. that would be your coming out. And so if you would live in a world, young people much more accepting, much more willing to express their sexuality and explore and experiment what it means to be bisexual, that if they talk that way and act that way, that their friends it actually is possible would just be like, well, one, who cares? Mm -hmm. And two, let's just, she's by until she tells us otherwise, Mm -hmm. which is the only way I could see the future working where there's no coming out is everyone expects everyone to be by. Everyone likes everyone until you choose otherwise. And even if you tell me you're dating someone the opposite gender, I still am not going to lump you in the box of straight. Well, in my mind as well, I which, you know, maybe could be problematic in another way, but I assume everyone's a bit queer until, mm. like, until they're not. Mm. And I mean as well, like, the more you're exposed to other queer people, like, and I mean, I went to an art school. So many of my teachers were gay and would openly talk about being gay. And, like, you know, this, like, so many students were clearly gay and mm. our teachers never made a thing of it because... It was the whole school, yeah. so they couldn't really make a thing of it. And, like, even our teachers who were, like, probo were, like, ah, slay, gays. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd be, like, you're a creepy teacher, man, but at least you're not hey. homophobic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just bizarre. Wow. And then after that, like, I went home and I was so, so nervous to tell my mom. Did you tell her right away? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, like, I went home from that night. I went home the next day and I was, like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell her. I feel like I need to tell her. Because my mum had lived, so I lived with my grandparents for five years because my mum is a teacher and she went to do her, like you have to, to get your permanency, you have to work out in the bush for a certain amount of years. Okay. And so she'd 
been back for like a year and a half. So just I just felt like I'd missed out on time with my mum. Mm. And I was like, okay, I need to tell her this thing. So we go home and she's like, oh, you know, I haven't cooked tonight. We're going to get Chinese food and I want to watch the latest episode of whatever show we're all binging together. And I was like, hey, mum, we're sitting there and I'm struggling to get the TV going. And I was just like, oh, I just need her to put the show on so I can just say it. And then she's like, oh, just kind of, she's like, oh let's just eat dinner. And I was like, mum, I think I need, to, I need to tell you something. I think I might be by. And she went, she it was so bored. I was so mad at her because I was like, Mum, you're, you're meant to do something interesting when I come out so that I have a good story Hello, for when Sean I have Sean wants a, me to go on the coming out or have your podcast. Literally, <laughs> literally. I'm like, Mum, I wanted an interesting story. And she just went mouthful and she go, oh, sorry. I thought you were a lesbian. And I go, I go, no. She goes, oh, nice. Can you get the TV to work? And I'm like, is that it? <laughs> and she's like, sorry, did you want something else? I went, well, everyone has a cool coming out story and mine's so boring. No, this is what makes the story cool. Right? And I was like, mom. And she was like, well, you know, auntie, auntie's gay. So I don't, what, what do you want me to say? And I was like, oh, nothing. I wanted you to get really mad and kick me out. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to burn my room down or something and never pretend I died or something. She's like, I'm sorry. Do you want me to tell Nan? <laughs> and I was like, we can tell Nan. And she was like, okay. That was it. Wow. Then we watched the latest episode of, I think it was Younger. Younger with Sutton Foster, which yes, is like course. gay rights. It's very gay. It's gay rights. Mm. And that was it. Wow. And then like my mum was like, I'm going to tell Vicky because she'll be really excited to know who is my my mum's sister, mm. auntie. She was like, and she was like, Vicky's going to want to tell her husband. And I was like, okay. And that was it. And then I, next time I saw Vicky, she was like, so, <laughs> mum told me news. some exciting news. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yes, Vicky. And she was like, isn't that cool that you feel, you know, you feel comfortable to tell us? And I was like, oh, look, I was like, to be honest, I only realised the day I told mum. She went, okay, well, it's exciting. Well, you know, if you, it's a girl or a boy or anyone, a person, a them person, a them friend that you want to tell us about, you know, you can tell me first if you're nervous to tell your mum and I'll meet them and I'm just really excited. This is amazing. This is really cute. Is it feel amazing or is this common, do you think, amongst younger people? I think it, I think it's a bit of both. Like I think, I don't hear this story very often. I, well, for me, I feel like, especially by nature of being in the arts, and I feel like it's more common than mm. not nowadays. That's I, amazing. Even at the time, like, it was, I was like, I think back and I'm like, fuck, I was so lucky. Because, like, I remember going to school and being like, ugh, I told my family and my friends that I had told were like, and how did they respond? I was like... Yeah, they were good about it, but Aunty Vicky was really embarrassing and, like, just started talking about me having a girlfriend. And I, was, so, like, I was like, ugh, I'm not going to tell you if I have a girlfriend. I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you anything because I'm 16 and mm. telling you things is embarrassing. Yes, of course. And, like, there were, you know, we're talking all my friends, like, yeah, no, and then mom, like, she did this, and I was like, oh, that was so boring. And then that was it. Didn't really wow. ever talk about it again. <laughs> I mean, this is, to go very back to the beginning of the conversation, I think this is a nice bow. It's hard for some people to understand the power of growing up in an environment and giving your children access to and and presenting the world as a safe and beautiful place to explore. This is the end result. This is why you do that. This is why you surround yourself with people who are different. This is why you consider what it would be like for your child to be different so that if they do come out in the future, you're ready and you can give them a, quote, boring response because it normalizes the experience and actually makes the 
the experience of being different, easier, safer, more powerful. So you can come back. I mean, the fact that you were able to go to school and like joke and like roll your eyes and be like, oh, they were so accepting and so boring <laughs> is like the goal. Yeah. It's like- Truly. What, if if we had gone back just 30 years ago, that would have been everyone's dream. If not even 30 years ago. I mean, ago. yeah, exactly. I was, came out, you know, in 2000 and that was still a time where- I mean, every single person would have responded at that time, not that way. It would yeah. have been very, 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 very few people. And I mean, some people obviously like, you know, my grandmother, bless her, and she's so accepting now. And, you know, whenever I'm with literally anyone ever, she's like, is that your girlfriend? I'm like, no, Nan, that's just the stage manager the of the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nan, that's just the person sitting next to me on the plane. I don't know them. Um but like at the time she was like, of course, I'm happy for you, but I'm just worried mm. and, you know, I don't want you to be judged by other people and, you know, if you want to have kids one day, that might be really hard if you're with another girl. And I'm like, yeah, but also it could be really magic and yeah. wonderful. Mm. And, you know, the minute I had I had a girlfriend and they were, I had a them friend, um, and they were just so wonderful and my nana was like, oh, it's going to be fine. Mm. They need that experience, huh? Yeah. Especially anyone with grand before their name has lived through very unique times for queer people or Mm. avoided the subject entirely. And it was not unjustified for them to think that your existence would be hard. In fact, if you lived through the 80s and 90s, you had proof in the headlines in your newspaper that it was going to be a shitty existence. So I feel like we can, in retrospect, look back at what she said and go, oh, that makes a little more sense. Mm. Maybe not when it's happening to you. You're like, hello. No, and I understood it as well. Like, I, when we, when mom was like, we should probably tell Nana and Granddad, I was like, okay. Like, I knew Granddad would just be like, look, as long as you're, as long as you're using protection and, uh, you know, they're not going to be someone who does anything naughty, or, you know, I don't mind whatever yeah. they are, as long as they, you know, treat you with respect and they love you. Don't care. Don't care, and I'll, try, I'll give them the same grilling no matter what gender they are. There you go. And I go, thanks, granddad. And he goes, yeah, no. And tell him if they break your art, I don't care what gender they are, I will get them. And I went, I will, I granddad. Will. But Nana was like, I was prepared because I was like, I know that it's hard. And mm. so it was, yeah. We haven't spoken a lot about your father. If people are fans of you, they've heard you speak about your relationship on other shows or online. And so I'm interested in, did you have a conversation with him about your sexuality? Nah. Got it. And the reason I didn't was not because I was like afraid of how he would react, but I was like, he doesn't get to know about this wonderful yeah. part of my life. Mm. He doesn't get to know about this this thing in my life that almost exclusively brings me joy. Mm. Like one that is like probably the only one of my identity markers that has never brought me fear or a feeling of not being accepted. Like, you know, I was always afraid of being fat, being a thing that would stop me from being accepted by anyone and everyone. And I'd always thought of being mixed race as something that would stop me from being accepted by the black people I know and something that would stop me from being accepted by the white people I know. But being being queer was something I was just like, I'm so lucky that I get to, especially once I realised I was actually like fully, fully a part of the community. I was like, oh, I'm so lucky that I get to do this and be this person and be a part of this community and meet so many cool... Like, I mean, fuck, like, we've only met within the last year. Mm. And, like, you know, like, you just get to meet so many awesome people being queer. 
that I'm like, if I was one of my, you know, if I was my mate who in the spa was like, so does that mean that you're trying to fuck me? Like, I never would have gotten to meet so many amazing people that I get to because I'm a part of this community. Oh, it's so much for me to hear. Like, it's so beautiful. It's such a gift to imagine that this is the direction we're going in. Like to think about what it felt like to realize I was a member of this community and, and the shame and the fear and the sadness and the suffering that I endured. And then I think back five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years before that and just think about how much worse it was. And then to meet someone and hear your story and then to realize that like they, that that it's possible to get where we are both now fast, which is this is an amazing, a really amazing thing, a powerful, beautiful, special addition, a culture in its own. Like we call it a community for a reason, like a special, it's like being Cuban. It's like this thing that you're a part of that our stories and our history gets passed down, but inside it's it's something to be proud of is fuck, like the reason pride exists. It's like so perfect. And I really hope I was going to stop and by asking the question, like, what do you wish you could say to young queer people who are feeling this way inside? And yet you just answered it, which is like, this is something to be celebrated. And then people who don't deserve the right to understand that side of you is because it's so beautiful and special and powerful. And you have to earn the right to be a part of that. I mean, that blew and blows and will blow my mind for a long time. Shit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for telling me your story. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being vulnerable. And I guess just thank you most importantly for like giving me some insight into like what's possible. I think what was making me emotional was just thinking about my little kids, you know, and thinking about the fact that they're going to grow up in a world where like this can be their quote did you say boring? Boring. (laughs) That it can be boring. And that is all I think anyone actually really wants is for their life and their sexuality and who they love to to just be boring and and beautiful and like something to be celebrated. (sighs) Your kids are going to have the best fucking time. I just... I feel much better after this conversation than I felt even an hour before about like what the future could be for them and for their friends and for my nephew and my, you know, like and my nieces. And I mean, and that's the thing as well is like... I was so lucky that I guess probably because of because of how I talked about my mom talking about coming out, like my best friends when they would have like, like one of my best friends had a real STI scare and like we were in high school, so it was really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom was the first one to know because everyone was like, you know, Milo's mom will help and Milo's mom will know what to do and Milo's mom's not going to judge me. And... You know, and I remember being like, of course you can come talk to my mum, but can't you just talk to your mum? And people were like, no. No, no, I cannot just talk to my mum. And I was like, okay, well, you can come over. You know, you're welcome anytime. Mm. And like, you know, all of my best friends growing up, like, and you know, you have arguments with your mum. You have, everyone has nuanced relationships with their families. Mm. But I knew that my mum was never an unsafe person for people to talk about who they were with. And... That's going to be the same thing that your mm. kids are going to have. And I just, oh, Thanks. I can't wait. I a lot of people wait. who listen to this show are parents, a lot. And we get a lot of questions about that because I think this show can be 
research for your future life. Like, how would I prepare? Or if my child is, or I think they are, like, how could I possibly respond? Because the crust of our coming out story usually is linked to our parents. Like, what happens when I tell my mom is, is what people care about most. And so mm-hmm. how they respond shapes your whole life. And I've always said this before, being a safe space and being accepting when your parents come out is suicide prevention. It is. Mm-hmm. How do you When get, your kids come out, sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like, when your child comes out to you as trans or gay or bisexual— how you respond, those words that you say shape their entire story. I've just written a whole book about it, right? Like it shapes your entire existence. Who is safe? What does safety mean? Can I be honest? And you've just said it perfectly. It's not just coming out. It's STIs. It's being raped. It's feeling uncomfortable, unsafe, a bad teacher who's done something wrong to you being scared that you're in trouble, doing something wrong and needing help, like that is actually, and it should be the ultimate goal. How can I create safety? What do I need to do? And if you don't feel like you have those resources, like, I don't know, listen to this podcast. Listen to this podcast, like send a message. There are so many people out. And that's another thing with the community is like every, like not everyone, but so many people are willing to help and listen and mm. You know, like, my favorite thing is when I'm, like, doing my club shows and I have a fresh little baby 18-year-old, like, hi, you're so cool and out. And, like, it's not even a thing and that's so awesome and I'm 18 and you're a queer elder, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm 22. And they're like, yeah, queer elder. Queer elder. And I'm so excited. And anyway, you're really hot and I just came out. Anyway, bye. (laughs) And I'm like, bless your heart. Look at you. So brave and 18. And, like, look at the world we live in, that Mm. you can be 18 and just, like, spit all that out at me at the club, drunk, and walk away and probably never think about it again. Or think about it all the time. Or think about it all the time mm. and know that I'm not going to judge you for it. What would you say to that 18-year-old? I what would you say to 18-year-olds who are thinking about coming out? Fucking do it. And, like, if your blood family isn't there for you, your chosen family will be. That's the perfect place to end. You know? Oof. Your chosen family will be. Like, the drunk divas at Imperial or the drunk divas at Circuit... We'll be there for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. If people want to find you and they will, where can they find you? At Milo Hartill on Instagram or in shows places. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Adore you. (laughs) I adore you. Thank you for having me. Bye, everyone. Yay, gay rights. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we are back. How are you going? How are you feeling? If this episode left you wanting more information about our wonderful LGBTQIA plus alphabet, then you should check out Minus 18. They're Australia's LGBTQIA plus charity. They have heaps of resources on their website and they run trainings for workplaces and classrooms. Minus 18 are on all socials at minus18youth and their website is minus18.org.au. But Minus 18 isn't a helpline. So if you're looking for support, you can call QLife on 1-800-184-527 for free every day from 3 p.m. till midnight. If you're feeling anxious and not up to talking on the phone, they also have web chat at qlife.org.au. Lifeline is also available 24 hours a day for crisis support and suicide prevention. Their number is 13 11 14. If you want to be a part of the Come Out Wherever You Are community, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at Come Out Wherever You Are. You can also follow me at Sean Zeps. That's S-E-A-N-S-Z-E-P-S. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me, Sean Zeps. Our lovely producer is... Lindsay Green. 
Our executive producer is... Lama Zaharia. And we can't forget our audio producer... Chris Mosh. See you soon. <laughs>